Cinnabuds receives support from Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, Eye Care and Eyewear. Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Hey, everybody. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. From 88.9, I'm Dory Zori. And this is Cinnabuds. And this week on Cinnabuds, we are talking about Little Richard, I Am Everything. It's just like a shot out of a cannon. His voice. My God, who is that? He created the rock and roll icon. Sorry, y'all. It wasn't Elvis. The first songs that you love that your parents hate is the beginning of the soundtrack of your life. Little Richard's lyrics were too lewd to get airplay on the radio. They was not that dirty. They were just as clean as you were. Yep, we are talking about Little Richard, I Am Everything, the new documentary about Little Richard, his entire career. Yes. And his music. Um, as the good old fashioned saying is, it's a cradle to grave biopic. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it was so cool to learn so much about his whole life. I think that this documentary is really good for the super fans, but also the casual fans, too. Yeah. I think they dove enough into um, some details that I had no idea occurred and then kind of put pieces of the puzzle together of the strange direction his career took when I was a teenager and yeah, <laughs> he was on was talk really, shows. It was really enlightening and interesting. I, yeah, that's exactly how I knew little Richard. I knew he sang like he sang <laughs> <laughs> period, but I was familiar with him mostly from talk shows. He yes. was a great talk show guest. He was always funny. I knew he sang like Tutti Frutti and all those and some of those classics, but as I was watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's him. That's him. So it was one of those things where, but yeah, piecing it together. And I knew that the funny thing where he's saying he's the architect of rock and roll. But because of his demeanor, I was always like, that's funny. But I didn't really think about it until I really put it together in this doc. It's great. Oh, my gosh. He does really tie the threads together of what he was doing before anyone else that we usually associate with the birthplace of rock and roll. Yeah. And I wrote down seven words, Christopher. Yes. Um, to describe this. <laughs> Black queer origins of rock and roll. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think that sounds accurate. It was really interesting to see that whole, not just Little Richard, but all these other acts and people that were fundamental to him and the origins. It's really enlightening and, and a fantastic documentary. Quick question for you. Yeah. When I see documentaries, do you do the same thing? You judge what the quality of the documentary could be like by who they have as their special talking heads? Oh, guests? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who was like willing to give up their time to talk? Yeah. And this one, if you go by that meter. Yeah. Do you remember uh, John Waters? Yeah. Mick Jagger. Billy Porter. Sir Paul McCartney? Yeah. Like, what does Little Richard, Sir Paul McCartney, and Mick Jagger all have in common? Well, you're going to watch this documentary <laughs> and find out because it is glorious. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk all about the doc, all the fun facts we learned, uh, and about Little Richard. One of us might uh, whoop at some point. I don't know. Whoop. We might do a whoop. <laughs> we might. We could do a whoop. So stick around. We'll be right back. Be right back. 
Hey, Wisconsin foodies. This is Tariq Moody of Radio Milwaukee. Join Milwaukee Magazine's food writer, Ann Christensen, and myself every Friday morning at 8 a.m. for This Bites, Milwaukee's longest-running culinary podcast. We talk about everything from new restaurants, pop-ups, cookbooks, events, and even an occasional interview with a local chef. Head over to RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Bites or listen anywhere you get your podcasts. All right. We are back talking about some of the details of the Little Richard I Am Everything documentary. Born Richard Wayne Pennyman. Uh, he gave himself, did he give himself the nickname Little Richard? No, I know I there was a like, bit about that. I feel like they started calling him Little Richard in one of the acts he was in. Because he was in these acts that were almost, I mean, it was like a, uh, Cross between vaudeville almost and like just, oh, they call it the Chitlin circuit mm-hmm. where it was all these black entertainers would go around traveling with songing songs and dance and different acts. And uh, he performed with different entertainers in that, in that realm. Little Richard was born in the early thirties. So by the time his career started on the, those circuits, I think he was only 18 years old. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was pre everything rock and roll really where um I, I thought all the really cool footage that they had of what was going on in entertainment at the time was a really cool way to tell the story and then just even showing him like different photographs of him like before he really leaned into the makeup and drama and clothing of little Richard you know from his beginnings I always love seeing that like yeah. I remember the Amy Winehouse documentary I loved for that yeah. reason because you got to see her before she was Amy Winehouse right, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you just see someone as a person but yeah born to a mom and dad in Macon Georgia one of 12 children yeah I thought I had a big family <laughs> only I, have five <laughs> he was the youngest. Was he the youngest? I feel like he was the youngest. Yeah. Um, which also explains a lot, I think, too. Oh, Tom Jones, Mick Jagger, Nile Rogers, um, all these oh, talking yeah. heads in there had such great stories to share. Um, you want to do a spoiler on how like Rolling Stones and the Beatles were yeah. related to Little yeah, Richard. No kidding. It was it was fascinating. I mean, he's it's not really much spoiler because he said it any opportunity he got he started off i mean like he influenced the beatles he influenced rolling the rolling stones Mm -hmm. tons of other people i mean he influenced them directly like person to person i mean at prince and everyone afterwards definitely influenced by a lot of the stuff from him but he had actual interactions with them well when he was on a tour in london uh, when a tour manager brought over his band to take a photo with little richard and it was like one of the first photos of the beatles it was yeah. before they were even singing original music they were still doing club shows singing covers yeah. and here are the fresh young faced beatles surrounded by little richard and then i think he they're so excited they're so to excited meet to meet him yeah. And um, they were talking, Paul McCartney said at one point that he got his little bit of like woos and screams yeah. from Little Richard. Yeah. So when you think about the Beatles doing their own screaming and songs. I know, yeah. Influenced by Little Richard. And then you have David Bowie who at one point goes up to like his manager or someone and says, or producer and says, hands him a Little Richard album and said, I want to do this. I want to go in this direction with my next album. Like people very, very directly chose him as someone to emulate. 
I also learned that Little Richard was married for quite a while to a woman, which I'm sure most Little Richard fans knew about. I thought that whole story was really interesting. They actually had her in the documentary a little bit talking about him, but it was interesting to learn and see like throughout his life. He always struggled with his religious upbringing and him really like believing in what the Bible said about things and kind of trying to figure out where his own place in society was with yeah. his queerness and flamboyant behavior and what he considers like sin and excess. Yeah. But then he would always go back to reading the Bible. So he's really went through a lot of emotional and, and um, spiritual journey throughout his whole life. Yeah. It was very sad. That part was very sad that he couldn't like accept I mean, it, it seems like he had moments where he accepted it fully and he yep. had a great time and he enjoyed it and he completely like absorbed the culture. And then he, something would happen. He'd feel bad and have to go back. That's the part that always makes me sad is when you feel like, oh, I'm not who I am mm-hmm. uh, wasn't right. Yeah. And then, so I have to spend this time making up for that being somebody who clearly I'm not because he kept the slightest thing, I mean, there's a couple of moments where the slightest thing sent him right back into like, which was good, like back into who he really was, which was this entertainer and a queer entertainer. But it was interesting to see because that struggle, especially at that time, was probably very, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, that was really interesting. But when he was in those moments where he was himself and it was interesting because it affected his career. He stopped mid tour of one of maybe the height of his career where he's making a lot of money, a lot of money. And he just went away. Mm-hmm. But um, when he is in his true self and mm-hmm. He's out there. I mean, he was dynamic. People were absolutely losing their minds about him. His father is a preacher. So like a lot of kids that grew up like that, they were singing in church. And so I think, you know, being one of 12 kids and his father not necessarily approving of him coming out when he did in the beginning, although I think it sounded like as their life went on, their relationship got much better and he got more accepting. But it was neat to see little Richard kind of going back when he wasn't doing popular music. He kind of just slid back into church. And yeah. although the the gospel music he was doing, like at least he was still singing music. But did you notice like when they showed some clips of him singing in church, like it didn't even sound like him. Like his yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it did seem different. He changed his look drastically, mm-hmm. which was so, I mean, when you see Little Richard, how he normally is, and then you see him in what is more conservative attire and hairdo, it almost seems like it's a gag. Yeah. Like he was on Letterman and he was, you know, had his haircut was dramatically different. He had a, just a suit on, like a church suit on, and he was talking about it, but the way he speaks always seems funny almost. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if had I watched that when I was a kid thinking, oh, this is just a bit. Right. Because it's so different than what I'm used to, but it's still your voice. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. It was very interesting. But there was a moment it seemed like where he almost balanced his love of God and his his true queer self. Mm-hmm. Like his he said something where it's like everyone should just be who they are. You know, God loves everybody. So it seemed like there's a moment and I'm, I wish that moment were more consistent in his life. Yeah. For his sake. For his sake. Exactly. 
The other thing that caught my attention in this documentary was the origins of, I think we all know Tutti Frutti, oh, but the origins of the song and how it was actually <laughs> different words-ish and uh, kind of a filthy, filthy song. Very filthy song, and then, which is my new favorite song. Right. How can it not be? Genuinely I was on a road trip recently and uh-huh. we were singing the original lyrics. We looked up the original lyrics and we were singing them in the car. <laughs> it's really <laughs> With fun. your windows rolled down <laughs> at stoplights. Yeah, that's right. So if you guys don't, you love that song, but you have no idea what we're talking about, I think you're going to find some joy in watching that part of the film. <laughs> that's true. Well, I will say this, uh, just as far as the film goes, yes. I did want to mention that I love that there's documentaries that are just, just informational. Like we, you see this information, we'll, edit it in a nice way but there, i like the documentaries that go a little bit further and make it kind of lovely and are very clever when i started the movie you could tell right away that they're going to put some drama and some glitz into it which is appropriate for mm-hmm. little richard but they had this affection for him right away they had all these people saying all these heartfelt things and then they had this dramatic sort of like b-roll and like these effects just to go into it in music which i just thought just to kick off that movie, I'm like, this is setting the tone for someone who you respect and are very impressed by, but you know that there's some glamour and yeah. then some drama around him. So you're just kind of, it was seamless, those two aspects. When I thought it was great, and they managed that consistently throughout. I thought it was wonderful. That was a great way to move the story forward. I love that. Yeah. And whatever their glitter, their digital glitter budget was in this movie. There's digital glitter. Did you notice that? At yeah. All? Oh, that's like exactly everywhere. what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's like it's one of the main things is like they knew exactly what to do. Oh, all right. So I do have one question, um, and it's a, a choose your own adventure for our Instagram followers, oh, Christopher. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who get to watch this, who did Little Richard pick up his famous scream from? He did not invent that famous scream. He actually picked it up from one of those early performers. Or if you don't know that one, maybe you know what his catchphrase is. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. (laughs) I won't say it. Oh, I want to. I know you want to say it so hard when you say it. I just want to do it. I know. That's why I picked two questions just in case you accidentally (laughs) said the catchphrase at some point. That's true. You got to get backups in case I just mess up. <laughs> well, I've wanted to say it like a thousand times as well. Yeah. Bama, lama, bama, so, yeah, Little Richard, I Am Everything, I think was a, such a great um, historical piece. And just even looking at him, like how much video they found of him talking about himself, you could really see the struggles he was having in just about every interview yeah. and every phase of his life. But, I mean, if you had a dry eye at the end... Yeah, no kidding. Where he was finally getting recognized for his body of work and all the artists he influenced. Because, like, Elvis and Pat Boone took his songs, redid them, and sold more copies, of course, than he ever did. And so he was just never thanked. He was never credited. He never made any money off those records because the music industry kind of stinks that way so it was so beautiful at the end to see him celebrated and it was really lovely his speech was incredible yeah I, I oh, I'm so sad that you mentioned Pat Boone because now I have to talk about the Pat Boone sequences, which they showed several of him doing Little Richard songs mm-hmm. was 
uh, like it was one of the most cringy things I've seen. Like mm-hmm. it's cringy and embarrassing. And then I started laughing. I mean, if you can disconnect from the reality of it for a second, it's so funny watching this man who has doesn't have the chops of Not a little Richard. It's like polar opposite. It's so milk toast, and it was embarrassing just to watch. But. I love that they showed like two or three clips just to really drive home how ridiculous it is that Pat Boone did these. Um, it's even if beyond Little Richard it is a wonderful survey of that time about how, which I was fascinated by hearing about black, how black music started to hit the mainstream through like, uh, like independent DJs and the invention of car radios, yes. like these simple, these things that you don't think about actually helped this industry that wasn't, uh, available to any, you know, to only very specific people for the longest times. It was really interesting, like historical documentary about music mm-hmm. in, in this context too, along with Little Richard specifically. I mean, it's really as good. a radio DJ myself, Christopher, hearing stuff like this is really exciting because DJs really did help break artists to um, audiences that would have never heard of them before because most DJs just picked up that record that they loved yeah. and spun it over and over again. And, you know, there's all this data saying that 20 years from now or maybe even sooner that new cars aren't even going to have like a radio capability in it and it just makes me sad as djs like how you know to get that personal touch from someone i mean i love spotify i love streaming services but i think that that was an art form back then and to an extent it still is an art form today as a dj being able to spin records and introduce people to new music Uh, and this is someone who's a little bit ignorant of the whole industry but like how you have Spotify is great, but how do you know what to choose on Spotify if you don't hear the music somewhere? I know first or that connection to whatever your community is. Yeah, I discovered most of the stuff listening uh, that I liked in the eighties. Listened to, oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was like the college station that was closest to my house. Mm-hmm. And at Friday night, they played The Cure and Depeche Mode. And then a bunch of other stuff I wasn't familiar with, but in that same vein. Mm-hmm. So I learned so much of the stuff I really enjoyed at that time from college radio stations and from independent radio stations. And then you go on and you buy the album. So this is how the process goes. Yeah. Well, and we're getting to the 50 year anniversary of hip hop, too. And that's exactly how hip hop started yeah. becoming popular, because there are certain DJs in New York right. that were picking up these mixtapes that people were recording when DJs were spinning live in clubs, yeah. you know, for the first time making hip hop beats and samples and emceeing and um, rapping. And then, yeah. Yeah. It's it really is. DJs are underrated. I agree. <laughs> Except in my heart, I rate them appropriately. Yes, you get us. <laughs> All right. Um, Lisa Cortez, the director of Little Richard. Do you know anything about her? It looks like she um, has done the remix Hip Hop Time uh, Times Fashion. Um, all yep, in the, all fight, in the for fight for democracy, democracy, which I believe, I, if I am not wrong, I believe we had at the festival or at the theater. Um, but the remix hip hop and fashion, we definitely had at the uh, festival a few years ago and, um, they're fantastic. They're all fantastic. This particular really great response to their films. Did, did you guys show this little Richard documentary? We at the did. It was, year? it was our, uh, so. centerpiece film, I believe. And it was 
hugely received. Like people loved it and were talking about it for a long time. So I was really sad that I had to miss it in the theater. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is now available online. Yeah. Not a lot of music in the documentary as much as you would think. Actual little right. you know, songs and concerts and music. But I don't think you miss out on anything because the story just moves along and no, just yeah. goes in so many interesting spaces and places. Yeah. Fantastic. Highly recommend. Well, it's Saturday night and I just got paid. Pull about my money, don't try to save. My heart Two thumbs up. Speaking of highly recommend, what else have we been watching? Well, I started uh, watching Righteous Gemstones. Oh, They just yeah. released the first episode on the 18th. Of the second season? Is that of, right? No, I think it's like more of the third? seasons and third, fourth. Oh, wow. I've what are numbers? The first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they've had a couple seasons now. So um, the first episode did not disappoint. If you are a fan of Righteous Gemstones, do not worry. At least after this first episode, the story is back on track. They are now battle. They always have like a, a rival church or a rival pastor. Well, now it seems like their rivals in this season are going to be the, um, oh gosh, doomsdayers <laughs> that live in their town <laughs> that are stocking up guns and canned vegetables and oh, wow. um, kind of the opposite of what people are preaching oh i have to catch up with that show because i watched the first season and some of the funniest people are in that so um, talented a woman i can't remember her name who plays the sister oh she is so great i've she appears on a lot of podcasts that i like doing different characters and she is so funny and you've only watched the first season her character yeah. builds and builds oh, and gets more great. screen time so you gotta That's continue good because she's one Judy. of the funniest comedians like right now genuinely she, oh, i can't even i can't remember the character she does a character on one of the podcasts that is just i lose it every time she's on it's so good i'm gonna need to know what that podcast is yeah we'll find it for you all right. What have you been watching? I just like two days ago, I watched a documentary um, called Hidden Letters and I was overwhelmed. Like I definitely teared up on on occasion, but it's this great documentary uh, about it's modern day China. It's about two women who are trying to preserve this thing called Nushu, which is an ancient secret language which bonded generations of Chinese women together uh, through oppression and these clandestine support systems it was all about sisterhood and survival. Uh, still, I mean, think about how we view women over here. I mean, in China, it's a bit, it's not even as progressive no. as I feel like we are now. Um, but watching them interact with men over there um, in their dealings is so frustrating. Yeah. So it's frustrating that way. But seeing how this language and this secret thing that very few people know how to do still and these pr uh, preservationists of it. Uh, how they handle their lives, how it affects their lives, how they go back and they connect with people who did it before them. There's this wonderful relationship to this very old lady and this young woman who's doing it and how they connect. It's wonderful. It's really amazing. And I really hope we get to bring it here. Is what is what the film is based on? Is this like an illegal kind of like an underground no, thing? I think it was just I don't know the if it was like outlawed or anything like that. I think it was just something that they it was a written and spoken language that was a you know based off of their native language. Wow. But it was it's and even one of the men who had to try to translate, he said it's difficult to translate uh, even if you know it. So and it's beautiful, like the calligraphy that is already beautiful in Chinese language. But this is you can see the difference. It's more specific. It's more it's more vertical, like yeah. the way that they do all the markings and everything. Um, 
so it was just how they communicate with each other. They have these beautiful letters you hear back and forth of them saying like, this is how I feel. And oh, like, I support you. And I, mm. I see it's essentially a version of, I see you. Yeah. You know? So it was really lovely. And then following these two figures in it and seeing how it kind of affects them today and, is, is lovely. What we've both been watching couldn't be more different, but I think that's <laughs> yeah, what makes yeah, us special. That's right. <laughs> Spice of life, that variety. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. Yeah, we want to thank the wonderful Kiri Salinas for producing our show. Thanks to Brett Newski for our theme song. Yeah, and to our sponsors, including Associated Bank. And I care and I wear on the lake. Yeah, I'll be visiting you soon. I need some new glasses. <laughs> and we could not do this without our wonderful members, both from Radio Milwaukee and from Milwaukee Film. Treat yourself and pick a film and go to a theater yeah. by yourself and have a good time. Have some popcorn, please. Mm. See Until you soon. Bye.